Action! Is film like milk? Yes. it's got culture in it. And it's... Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk. Skim milk. Medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about film and TV that has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert-Taylor, and with me always, forever, and hopefully forever into the afterlife is David William Rogers. Hello to you, my friend. Hello. I will haunt you in your dreams <laughs> I, if, I go, if I go first. I so look forward to that, actually. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be really fun. It's not going to be like today's movie, which is a little bit of an Easter egg. David William Rogers, we do have a guest. But before we get to her, what is the film we are doing today? The film we are doing is, I'm going to say it in Spanish first. Try okay, to. you do it. El Espinado del Diablo, which is the devil's backbone. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I was trying trying to use like the, you know, pronunciation thing on Google a bunch of times to try to get it <laughs> right. Because I only took a semester or so of Spanish. But yeah, it's the devil's backbone, 2001. Um, directed by Guillermo del Toro and the writing credits go to Guillermo del Toro, Antonio, I'm going to probably butcher this, Thrashoras, and then David uh, Munoz Mm -hmm. um, are the writing credits. So obviously uh, Guillermo del Toro is a pretty big name. Um, and yeah, we'll probably get into it, but this was, uh, I've never even heard about this film, mm-hmm. so I'm glad our guests suggested it. Same here. I, yeah. Yeah. And, so it was a good and we have to do, I mean, straight out off the bat, we have to do a shout out to Pedro Almodovar. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very famous in Spain. I was actually telling my boss that we were doing this film and I butchered his last name and he's like, I can't believe you don't know who this is. He's like, <laughs> we need to get you into film school. And I was like, I am in film school. It's called the Age Like Milk podcast. And I watch a yeah. new movie every single week. So shut up. Um, David, I can't remember whose turn it is to do the synopsis, but I'll take it because we yeah, go we know it. that I'm sure. not like a horror fan necessarily. Okay, so yeah. we're talking Spanish Civil War. We're talking an orphanage set in a remote part of town. I believe it's a day's walk from the closest town. Uh, we've got this doc who's there. We've got this woman who's kind of like tough, but she like clearly loves these kids. And basically it's a place where kids are being left when their parents are fighting or like their parents aren't there. And we have this new kid. His name is Carlos, or Carlosito. And he, he, he comes in, and right away, like, he starts seeing, like, a ghost. Uh, this ghost, Santi. And he's, like, having it, the, the one that sighs. The, he who sighs, or the one who sighs. And he starts having these interactions with these ghosts. Nobody really believes him. Bad shit happens. There's some gold involved. Let's skip forward. There's an explosion. This bad guy comes in. He tries to steal the gold. He's going to leave these kids for dead. The ghost kind of helps them and gets revenge. And that's the end of the movie. That's a very short synopsis. That is a... I like to keep it short because I'm, uh, yeah. I want to get in and talk to our wonderful guest today. We have the amazing Lucy Luna, who I met at, through a friend of a friend, uh, through a friend. So now we're all in the same crew. We went for a drink and I was like, you're the best. You have to come on the podcast. Um, Lucy's a Mexican writer living in LA. She's an award-winning feature writer. She wrote Sophie and Valentina, and it led her to her career in LA. Um, she ended up getting into the HBO Access Writing Fellowship, which is amazing. She won at the Screencraft Fellowship. She was in the Screencraft Fellowship, and she's uh, placed on the Young and Hungry list. So she's done a lot of stuff. She wrote and directed a short horror film, which I'm sure was why we chose a horror film for this episode, but it's called We're All Here. Um, and then she penned a horror feature script, and then she ended up writing on CW's Two Sentence Horror Stories and is currently working on CBS's All Rise. And she just sold her first show, which is yeah. amazing. I feel honored to Congrats. have her. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. This is fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's fun to yeah. watch movies and talk about them and, and meet new people and give industry insiders yeah. too. So before we jump into the film, let's talk a little bit about you. So I kind of gave the top line there of the bio Tell us how you got started as a creative, as a writer, as a director. What really inspired you to get into this business? Pedro Almodovar. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, um, I mean, I've loved movies since I was a little girl. And I think um, I've, I've loved horror since, you know, the very beginning. Even before I would watch like adult horror, I was, you know, watching Goosebumps mm-hmm. and like Who's Afraid of the mm-hmm. Dark? Mm-hmm. Nice. And even Scooby-Doo, you know. Um, <laughs> 
but then I think my as as I was growing up, it was Pedro's uh, films that sort of like took me to another level mm. of storytelling. I was like, what is this? I didn't know that movies could tell and portray like real life people. Uh, his cinema is so raw and he's so honest and he's just it feels like you're just speaking into the lives of, of, of people and there's a poetry to the way that he writes. Um, but then, I mean, I, I continue to, you know, watch uh, Scream and Halloween. <laughs> and I think that is sort of like how I would define my, um, my getting into this journey is the drama of real life but covered by horror. Like that is mm. what, I, what I love and that is the type of horror that I, that I like. So I decided that um, I wanted to write because it was what I was doing since I was little. I was writing like short uh, horror stories. Um, so I came to film school um, from Mexico. I, I moved here in 2014, went to New York Film Academy, uh, LA campus, and then I just uh, worked hard to stay. Um, yeah, it's not <laughs> easy. Know, it's not easy as an immigrant. Yeah, going through that visa process and, and, and then, you know, getting the, the reps and, and the fellowships and this whole situation. So I think after after getting the visa was when everything sort of fell into place. I got those fellowships that I was not allowed to apply when I was uh, <laughs> yeah. when I didn't have a work visa. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that got me reps, and then my reps got me jobs, and now I'm a working writer. Yeah, so. you are. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and tell yeah. tell us a little bit about the fellowships. Like, what did you know about them before you moved to LA? Was it something you found out about in film school? And how did that work? Because there are a lot of people out there who might be interested in those types of things and don't even know they exist. Yeah, I actually didn't know that existed. I, I learned uh, when I was in school, um, the famous question of how do you get repped? Um, the most accessible one was like, well, you can be discovered through competitions. Um, there's a bunch of them. The first year I actually submitted to many that you know there's some that are even just cams yeah um and i had to learn the hard way um but then you learn and you realize that there's uh, a few that are actually worth mm. it um the hbo fellowship doesn't exist anymore mm. um after at&t acquired um the whole warner and hbo it became warner media access mm -hmm. fellowship and it's a diversity fellowship um so that's great it was it was eight months of developing a, a pilot with um with a mentor of HBO. That's and awesome. um, yeah, and then ScreenCraft is focused on industry meetings. Uh, it's not a development. So um, you go in uh, the, I don't know, it's, I think it's a week or a week and a half that they just set up a, a bunch of meetings with, uh, with producers and studios and, and they introduced me to my manager. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. If, if you know the good ones, they are worth it, yeah. yeah. I think it's a good rule of thumb. If you look, a lot of these competitions, I agree with you. I'm, you know, we're both started liking each other's stuff on Twitter and stuff like that. And yeah. writer Twitter is a real thing. And a lot of people apply to these different competitions and they might not be very well respected, you know, but I think mm -hmm. the best rule of thumb and tell me if I'm wrong here, but like, look at who's judging. Are they working producers? Are they working managers and reps? Because really the point of a competition, if you're especially if you're paying to be a part of it is you want to mm -hmm. make sure that the people who are reading your stuff are actually people that can help you get in a room rep you mm -hmm. introduce you to people right and it's the same with the fellowships you know if if the fellowship is something that's you know like an hbo or a nickelodeon or a mm -hmm. warner brothers or whatever something that's like a real place that really does hire writers like those are the ones to shoot for that you nailed it yeah i had no idea when i started i didn't even know who was who no. so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it's a journey, and now you're on the yeah. sort of at the next level of the mountain. I know the thing about being a creative in this business is you climb a mountain, and then you look up, and there's another mountain, and you're like, God, I thought I was done with mountains. But Just keep, keep never going. Never done. So, Just keep going. So, okay, that's great. Okay, so Lucy, so you obviously inspired Pedro. 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 You're Guillermo. obviously inspired by Pedro a little bit. He's, mm -hmm. uh, And then Guillermo del Toro, is he an inspiration of yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He... I mean, I have a Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I, you cannot see it right now, but I have, you know, uh, artwork of his his films. Um, but it, it is The Devil's Backbone, the one that blew me away mm. because um, 
I don't know, you know, you, you watch horror films and I feel like I was very used to this um, structure of just the jump scares mm -hmm. and, you know, high school uh, people getting murdered. And I'm lost in the <laughs> woods. Should we go check out that scary noise? Yeah. Let's separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think, I think right now there's a bunch of uh, movies that we call elevator horror, but I think back then... You, we didn't really have a lot to turn to, um, and this is definitely one of them. I thought there was a lot of sus substance, mm. and the reason, uh, the way I look at horror movies are, is this a good movie if I remove the horror mm -hmm. bits? Which I, which I would say The Devil's Backbone is a good movie if you re remove mm -hmm. the horror, because yeah. realistically, the, you know, in a lot of horror films, it's like, you nailed it. Like, they're in a forest, they have to escape, or in a scary house, or like someone's out to kill them. In this movie, you have a an orphanage type place or an institution and the ghost is just an element of it and actually um in speaking about Guillermo del Toro I found some really fascinating quotes about him so I wanted to talk about Guillermo del Toro a little bit because yes. we know him as the mega house behind some of your favorite movies yes Pan's Labyrinth we're talking you know just like massive movies like he's made it now but at one point he had done a film called Mimic with Miramax. He had a terrible experience mm -hmm. with the Weinsteins. He felt like he mm -hmm. had no control. I think at the same time, his father had been kidnapped and was held ransom for yes. two months. And then actually I read, like, he put out a book and I read a little piece of it. And it said that when he was talking about the devil's backbone, like, the thing that he really wanted to come across in the film was that the ghost is not the scariest part in this movie. It's actually the human cruelty, which I think is yeah. very interesting. Jacinto? Yeah. Jacinto yeah there's a I kind of skipped over it in the in the synopsis but to backtrack a little bit there is a I think he's like a groundskeeper or like a handyman that lives there he, mm -hmm. yeah he still works there he was a former, he was a former orphan. orphan there orphan yeah, yeah. and he's, and he he's basically cruel to the kids like he's he bullies them he, they're terrified of him he cuts like one kid's face the, the main kid's face Carlos mm -hmm. he's just Carlos. like a jerk face and we come to find out that he's hanging around because he knows there's gold in the building. Also, yeah. he's heard about it, and he just wants it for himself. And uh, I just thought it was really interesting. Like you said, is this a good movie? If you strip away the horror, there's still scary yeah. people in this that are scarier than the ghost. You know? Yeah, and there's got a it's a pol it's got a political um, like thread through it too, right? And a historical mm -hmm. with the Civil Spanish Civil War. Yeah. yeah. Which is very interesting. Which Lucy, I think Pan's Labyrinth also kind of mirrors yes. that same timeline, right? Yeah, this is like he, a brother sister kind mm -hmm. of film with each he's other. He's obsessed with that period in, yeah. in time in, in Spain, and I mean Guillermo del Toro is Mexican, mm -hmm. so I, I find it fascinating because I, I I mean I also grew up with the Spanish films, but the truth is that you know his first movie was Cronos, mm -hmm. that was a, a Mexican movie. Then he did Mimic, um, and after that it was like. I mean, yeah, his experience with Mimic was not the best, mm -hmm. but also there was he w couldn't come back to um, to Mexico. He's uh, as you mentioned, his dad won the lottery, and then oh, people found out. Yeah, I didn't know that. He, yeah, and he got kidnapped, and then he was like, Jeez. I can't, I, I can't come back. Yeah. Um, I watched him live one day in a uh, in a film festival. He was doing like a, a talk, and he mentioned that, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And it was, you know, Pedro Almodovar, the one that was like, dude, I'll help you out with your next movie, which is shocking because Pedro only produces pretty much his own stuff. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's like a Tarantino kind mm -hmm. of person writes and, and directs his own thing. Um, and it's also weird that he produced a horror film. Uh, but then when you watch it, you're like, oh, there's so much substance mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. um, and I, like even well, that's I was going to say that's offer. Guillermo, like, right? Like he tells you like, oh, he doesn't tell you, but like he presents a <laughs> synopsis, mm -hmm. right? Like, OK, mm -hmm. this is about a, a creature in a labyrinth and da, da, da. And then there's just so many layers to it. Shape of water. Shape of water. Um, yeah. It's about a it's about a fish creature, but it's not. It's a love story. It's a mm -hmm. fairy tale. It's, it's kind of cool to see this, which is more the only thing you really have in it is some cgi yeah to show to show the little boy that passed away right um, well one thing i thought was interesting but, about this too david is that like we you know you actually see the ghost straight on pretty early on into the film so mm -hmm. one thing i'll say that's scared okay so i have a confession to make i before okay. watching <laughs> this film people that know me know that i am a very big wuss and i tend to steer away from scary things and i have a whole theory about it and i did some research into it but 
I will say like, I loved in this movie that, yeah, you saw the ghost first on because I went to jumpscares.com and this is not like me trying to ruin the movie for myself. I just had to know ahead of time where I was going to be scared. And I, I, again, I was actually quite delighted because I think some of the films that scare me the most, and I'm going to put my hand up and say, I was very scared of I am legend, um, which is scary because you never fully see these creatures. And then when you see them, you're kind of like, okay, like they're kind of bad CGI, but I liked that we saw the ghost straight on. So we knew who we were dealing with. And then the scariest stuff was more like tense and creepy. And then the scary stuff was more like, you know, he just wasn't like a mean ghost. No. You know, he, was, yeah. he was just kind of more of a tragic figure that like mm-hmm. needed help. But why I brought it up to like with, um, Guillermo del Toro's point, like it starts with this, where it's just a little bit of CGI for this uh, entity, basically. And then mm-hmm. you talk about Shape of Water, Hellboy, a yeah. lot more um, like practical effects and, you know, makeup and stuff like that, which I think is really cool. Um, and a lot of the movies he made, you know, over the past like 10 years um, that add to it. So it's cool, like just having this subtle little CGI that adds to the story yeah. compared to some of the other stuff he does. Oh, my favorite yeah. part was that you see the ghost and then because he, so spoiler alert, I mean, it happens in the first, cu- it happens in the first couple of minutes, but basically this kid, Santi, you don't understand in the beginning how he died, but you see his head bleeding and then the next thing you see is him being thrown into the water mm-hmm. and basically like weighed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so throughout the movie, when his ghost appears, there's like a trail of blood that's almost like floating, floating above up, him yeah. to the surface. And it's so freaky and it's so smart because yeah, yeah. at one point um, he sort of disappears and our main character Carlos reaches into like sort of the ether left behind and he gets a little bit of like blood mist on mm-hmm. his hands. It's super freaky. And I have to say like, I know I know Pan's Labyrinth put Guillermo del Toro on the map for like creature features like because he's got this like creature that's so freaky. But like, yeah, the use of CGI in this was so bomb. Mm-hmm. Like he did such, they yeah. did such a good job with this, and to consider that it was two thousand and one, where yeah, that's too many years ago. It's like kind of old, yeah. I I love the water particles around him too. Like there was just this thing around him that would like cover him. It was it was pretty lovely, and I I'm actually kind of um, curious as to why he decided to go CGI because he's a uh, makeup. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He started in a, in the makeup department, um, and then he moved uh, to visual effects, and now he's giving scholarships uh, to Mexicans to um, oh. to focus on on animation or yeah, I love that. yeah. Awesome. I actually I actually love him because I also read that you know he felt like the universe had given him this opportunity uh, to make this film. It had been in his drawer. It was something he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. He had a terrible experience in the Hollywood. He thought his career was basically over, which I feel like is so relatable. Like, yeah. He always <laughs> felt that way. So he's always made an effort to work with first-time film directors to like, you know, he's attaching his name to things because someone gave him the opportunity, you know? And it's like, that is what this industry is about. It's about encouraging the next generation, not like yeah. taking all the projects for ourselves because what you find then is like there's not enough women in film or like young people or whatever. So I love that. And he's paying it forward for sure. Like all the movies that he's uh, producing um, that are being directed by new time uh, directors. Um, This movie, The Orphanage, um, that is another Spanish movie. um, He produced it and the director is um, Jotae Bayona, who was his first, uh, it was his first movie, but then he went on to direct um, The Impossible with Naomi Watts and then Jurassic Park. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, he keeps supporting new talent and I, I really find that inspiring. <laughs> I find it inspiring too. I, yeah, I read that he, he wrote this movie in college. So like, think about like the projects that we have in drawers that we would love to do, you know, like it just, it's a great reminder that if just because it's not being made now doesn't mean it's never going to get made mm-hmm. and just to keep if you love something, keep, yeah. keep it, you know, keep keep it around. It. You never know. Yeah. But he's like, honestly, such a hero of mine. Guillermo del Toro. Like I just, and also from what I've heard about him, he just seems like a lovely human. So I was glad that I liked the film because I hate it when I like love, like if I know someone or I love the person and then I watch the movie and I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know. he's, he's just an overall, like even in Mexico, there is this joke of, you know, the citizens just wanting him to be president. Like, there was this um, group of kids that got selected for, I think it was a math Olympics, and the kids just didn't have money to go, and he paid for the flights 
for that's all the kids awesome. to go to the yeah it, it, those kind dude. of things yeah that stuff gives me joy like yeah. spreading the joy you cannot take it with you so uh, i'm just falling more and more in love with guillermo del toro <laughs> if you're listening to this guillermo i think i have a crush on you, so, um i love we you. all do uh, sorry don't don't tell scott but yeah and David, you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I think it's interesting to talk about the time period that this is set. So the Civil War. So I will admit that I did not know a ton about the Spanish Civil War, but from what I read, it was almost considered a precursor to World War II. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the vibe we're feeling in the film right now. There's definitely an edge. I mean, there's one scene where they line up all these people and the guy's just going along and shooting them in the head. It's super... You only see like one or two guys get shot and it's kind of out of the corner, yeah. but it's very fucked but up. But it's interesting um, who they lined up. It was mm -hmm. a couple Canadians mm -hmm. and a gentleman from China, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then a, a few the people, one, people yeah. that are Spanish. And I believe yeah, that they were... Um, the Republicans, and I just kind of looking, I only did like Wikipedia reading into it. The Nationalists, right? The Nationalists were backed by like um, Italy and Nazi Germany. So to your point, Paris, going into World War II, and then, you know, some of these other countries were backing the Republicans, basically, yeah. who, who ended up losing that. Yeah. Yeah, but even if people don't know a ton of it i i think it's universal because the the what i get from it is like what war does to you mm -hmm. to me uh jacinto the the villain of of the of the film that he was an orphan and then he just never got out and now he works there you don't know that at the beginning but once you know even if he's still a villain like he's still just a product of this shitty I situation. Did feel, I, I, I did feel sorry for him at one point. Yeah. I mean, he, he does a lot of fucked up shit. And again, spoiler, there's a young woman that he's like sleeping with and they think they're going to get married. Or she thinks they're going to get married. He fucking stabs her in the road. Yeah. Like, yeah. no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I wonder why he became an orphan, though, because if the Spanish Civil War only lasted three years, he had to be like well, in his 20s. One. Right. Yeah, but the, I'm talking like the Spanish Civil War, though. So he might not have been orphaned because of the Spanish Civil War. No, he looked no, a little no, older. no, no. He might have been orphaned because of like the First World War or, you know, there was a lot of unrest, I think, in Europe at this time. Yeah. Right. Lucy? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I, I, I do get your point that he was like not the, the product of this uh, war in particular. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just the. Yeah. But growing up he's, in that culture. He's also hiding out, essentially. Right. Like there's a line. I think it's the doctor says it. He's giving him shelter because they're all being like drafted mm -hmm. or like being forced to choose a side. Yeah. And so by him working in this like very remote orphanage. He doesn't have to choose. He yeah, he doesn't pick, have to. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's sort of like this orphanage is the last place where people can be safe. Yeah, right? like a like, safe haven. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's very interesting and I fucking love this part of the film. Yes, it is a safe haven, but what's in the middle of the courtyard? A bomb. Right, a yeah. bomb. Yeah. An unexploded yeah, bomb. So yeah. what I love about the symmetry, the symbolism of that is like, it's like at the heart of this mm -hmm. place is something extremely deadly mm -hmm. that could explode at any moment. And that is such a great like vibe of like this whole movie. Like, yes, they are safe within the walls, but there's someone evil inside. There's a, you know, then there's the ghost. And, and I just think, And it's ticking. That bomb's still yeah. ticking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, I think that's the explosion that happened when... Yeah. Uh, when he blew it up with the gasoline. I, I always saw it too as, as you mentioned, like the, the heart of, of the place because it, it's ticking, but to me it's like a heartbeat, right? And mm -hmm. it's sort of a reminder that the heart of this whole thing is still a, a war. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Or that there's still danger with mm -hmm. inside the safety and there's danger inside all of us. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like we don't yeah. know what's going to happen. And the, they, yeah. they weren't exactly, um, what is the actress's name? Uh, the actor, Marissa uh, mm -hmm. Carmen with the, she had the, the fake oh, leg. She was so yeah, good. Yeah, but she, she was helping um, the Republican side, right? And so was the doctor. They mm -hmm. were, they were involved in the war. So it's not like they were neutral. They mm -hmm. were, they were supplying gold and holding gold um, yeah. that funded the Republican against side. Against the Nazis though, right? Oh, well, against like the, uh, the nationalists, which were yeah, yeah. backed by like fascists and communism or communists. So yeah, they were supporting that, um, that movement basically. So it, I, I love that part of it too. Cause yeah, she was a total badass. 
Yeah, yeah. She and I also liked awesome. how flawed she was because she's got like so she had her husband who like died or whatever, and now she's got this kind of romance with the older doctor guy. Um, who I so in love about. with her, yeah. yeah. So in love with her, but then she's screwing Jacinto, and he says at one point, and he's like, like I said, I feel kind of bad for him, but also, yeah, he says sort of like she's got this romantic love but then she still needs a hard cock Mm -hmm. and it's almost like he's he's devaluing himself like he Mm -hmm. he's just trying to survive well she says it and it was even written on the back of his picture that he was like a uh, prince without a kingdom and that he he basically has just been like this his whole life uh even when he got there they're just like a sad kind of guy that's mad at the world basically yeah. He's yeah. like the biggest tragedy of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With, yeah. There's a little kid go. There's a little kid ghost like, oh, thank God I'm not in his shoes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that guy. Yeah. yeah. No, he's totally. And then ultimately, his greed is what kills him. Mm-hmm. So again, spoilers here. But if you haven't seen the film and you're listening to this podcast, I mean, hopefully it just encourages you to go watch it. But yeah, he does find the gold, the Jacinto, the bad guy, and he puts it in his pockets and he ties it to his waist. And then he basically, the kids come to stab him because he's threatening to kill them, mm-hmm. which like, fair enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he like, they push him into the, what is that? It's like, like a, a pond. System? It's a well. Which is where the dead boy, Santi is. Santi was thrown into. And he's dragged down because of his greed. It's literally like a physical yeah. drag down. Mm-hmm. So it's the I weight of the of the gold. Gold and his Sends yeah. him right into the bottom. His yeah. past. Yeah. yeah. It's a very interesting, very interesting visual. I mean, I, I did read Roger Ebert's like uh, assessment of it. And it was like, you know, it's almost... It's almost so obvious mm-hmm. that it's just like this is this, but it's put together so well mm-hmm. yeah. that it it feels very like natural. It's not like sometimes when you watch American movies now and you're like, oh, the book symbolized. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? Well, to your point, like uh, some of the articles I read with the with the bomb and the ticking and um, just the things we just talked discussed that was put throughout this movie, like threaded pretty well. Um, that you might not think about until you really start talking about this movie and some of the symbolism. So, yeah, I think they did a great job. It's like film school when your teacher would be like, and this curtain represents (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then the film director's like, no, it really doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one, it feels very, does, yeah. And when you you hear, like you're saying, the film school reminded me from taking film classes in college, and you talk about these things, it – it triggers something in your mind. So like when you first hear a director say like, yeah, I use this as symbolism for this mm-hmm. character. And then you start to look at other movies that way and, or you go revisit a movie you really like and you uh, you see things differently. That's why I still think, you know, some people only watch one movie once. They're like, oh, I've seen it before. It's like, yeah, but you can see it with a, a different mindset, oh, mm-hmm. a different Nuances. set of eyes. Exactly. And you can take, yeah. have a whole nother experience with that movie 10 years later right. with a different mindset. And mm-hmm. that's the same as this podcast mm-hmm. is like going back and looking at it. Like, does it, you know, how does it feel now? Yeah. But what to add on to your point, David, you know, working for a director, I know that some things, yes, are just like on the day we had to make a split second decision. And some things are really Planned. like directors are the reason a director is like such an important job in a film is because they have to see the whole movie in their mind. Like mm-hmm. a lot of things are very, very deliberate. And Guillermo del Toro does strike me as one of those directors that has like, a very specific vision you know oh like God, nothing's yeah. really an accident with him he storyboards himself uh to the mm-hmm. point that um he i think the storyboard for pan's labyrinth was published so you oh. can actually <laughs> buy it i do I not have that. it but i yeah. do i do own a book of uh his sketches because his sketches have also been um sort of like yeah he designs his own monsters and He's so involved with that. I, I, I mean, yeah, we're, we're just falling in love with him more and more. Well, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. So, would, so would, would you consider yourself a horror fan? Lucy, I know you yes, are. Yes, I am. David, yes, are you a horror fan? I am. You are. Uh, like, I recognize a little bit of the devil in Lucy when she said, like, when she was young, she, she, this was dra- she was drawn to it. So um, there's this movie called Event Horizon. So when these conversations come up, I always go back to this movie because I remember mm-hmm. my whole family – gone left somewhere i sat in the middle of my living room but in a, just a random like pop-up chair in front of the tv with all the lights off watching this movie called event horizon which is probably one of the freakiest scariest movies i've seen um and i just was like a like probably 12 years old right and i would just got super scared <laughs> and i love getting that feeling and i still do it to this day where i'll f- try to freak myself out and get in the 
getting that mm-hmm. mold, getting that world that this, you know, whatever director, writer um, built in this scary movie just to get that feeling like something crawling up my back or mm-hmm. uh, being scared before I go to bed. And I do that around Halloween just to like get into yeah. it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely am. And I but I'll get real critical with horror movies that don't hit the mark that don't mm-hmm. scare me that don't like with this movie like you said it's a good movie without uh, Lucy was saying without with mm-hmm. removing the uh, horror part with the ghost so a lot of these movies I think that's that, a really good way I think that's a really good litmus test yeah, now and yeah. I'm gonna put and those, I'm gonna put other but even like you could take that from anything like we've talked a lot about like romantic comedies like right. is this still a good movie without this one relationship yeah. thread like mm-hmm. it's interesting and important to talk about these movies like this horror film yeah. Like, I, I just think that what you said is so profound and I'm definitely going to like apply that <laughs> to, um, to new and hopefully watch more horror films um, because I am yeah. not a horror Because you have a fan. good foundation, you have a good story, good characters, yeah. Yeah. and there's there's some depth to it and not just slasher. Well, yeah. So, I, yeah, I am not really a horror fan. Like, David shared Event Horizon, his story. My first horror film that I saw, I think I was like 10 years old and I saw Candyman with some friends and it's... <laughs> Scared the shit out of me to the point that I could not use a public bathroom for like two years. <laughs> oh. And my mom was so annoyed. Yeah. And it was, and I remember my mom locking the doors in the car and looking in the mirror with my friend who had watched it with me. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is bullshit. And she said, Candyman 10 times. We were sobbing. <laughs> we were screaming, <laughs> begging her to That's stop. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. But I did some research actually, because I was like, why is horror so popular? So a couple different places. So... Uh, this guy in Denmark wrote like a whole thesis on it mm-hmm. and it was to suggest that horrors evolved to find, oh, sorry, horror, people have evolved to find pleasure in situations that allow us to experience a negative emotion, but in a safe context. Mm-hmm. So you can see that in like, he was saying like with kids with hide and seek, it's kind of like a predator prey searching mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And then medical daily said that people who enjoy horror films are also more responsive to dopamine, which is produced in high intensity situations. Mm So it's like what you were talking about, David. Yeah. Yeah, You like to freak yourself out. But then I was like, why do some people not enjoy horror films? And I found this uh, professional counselor who said some people um, when they were growing up for one reason or another had a more active amygdala amygdala which amygdala. is part of your brain mm-hmm. amygdala so i think i have that and also it said that some people the amygdala it can like like when you feel super scared it can actually like trigger other anxiety things yeah, which is which is sense. why like i had no problem watching this film when i googled what the scary parts were they were not scary to me for me mm-hmm. it's just like i didn't i don't like the idea of like waiting for something that mm-hmm. feeling of dread that some people love in a horror film yeah that like to me is too much right yeah it 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 does add uh sort of like a stressing thing to it my mom is actually like that she doesn't like to be stressed and whenever it gets too tense she gets up and walks away and i'm like ma you have Mm -hmm. to watch it and she's like no no i'm hearing i'm listening to it and i'm like no you have to watch (laughs) which is funny lucy because i've taught we've had a conversation about your mom and she had a very stressful job at one point yeah i wonder if there's like some kind of correlation like i don't know like i would have to say like my job is pretty not that yeah. stressful <laughs> so it's very interesting I well think. Uh, because i don't think there's necessarily like a psychological reason behind it i think it's more what you what you're talking about it may be just the brain or just the tolerance you know just just even yeah the way we smell or hear Process. or mm-hmm. yeah i think i think it's the same um my mom was a medical examiner and i think she didn't see it that way because it was more it was more uh, I don't know she was like taking care of the body and she was trying to find an answer and there was like something even beautiful and something sweet about it um, that she does not get with horror movies you know with horror movies she's like why would I want to get stressed and her Mm -hmm. job she actually loved it she was taking care of someone so yeah I mean it, it was depressing (laughs) sometimes of course but i don't think it was stressful as as how a horror movie could be yeah um i actually don't like getting um scared either i mean if it's like a little bit yeah but there are some movies that are too intense that i'm just like oh my god i'm I'm sweating there's a we're talking about like getting freaked out so um, another movie at Lucy I saw was in theaters that did that to me was Midsommar, um, oh, the more, the more that, recent one. That um, one was weird to me because yeah, it did not scare me. It just it makes, was bizarre. 
it's and a bizarre and yeah. it's uncomfortable. Some and it's really a lot heavy. of people have a lot of people have said that movie changed. Them, yeah, that like movie really is wild. Them. But I see, I like yeah. it. And then those different mindsets and being like, what is this emotion, right? Why yeah. am I feeling this way? And then being around other people. So when we're talking about a group aspect, um, there's a scene where the boys are all you know tight and they wake up uh, Carlos and they like get your comics. We're gonna kick it tonight. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about the boy that size. And there's a part where they're like. Oh my God, did you hear that? And they start talking about it. I mm-hmm. also love that. I think I yes. love that feeling more w- with a group of people when you're getting freaked out together. Uh, yeah. Like, com- like, yeah. Um, as like a little community and having that same kind of feeling. God cannot, I, wow, I like, God cannot relate. Yeah, I like <laughs> no. that better than being scared I, by myself. I, I, I think it's I great. totally get it. I Actually, the type of horror that I like makes me feel, and I know you're going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I feel cozy. You know, I, it makes me feel cozy, and that's yeah. the type of horror films that I like. I get there's that. a little bit of tension, but then there's some that are too much that I that I do feel like okay, I I I, I can't. I need to get out, <laughs> and that's not the type of, of horror that I that I enjoy. I actually love to feel something else than just being scared. Yeah, um, which is why I love. I respect movie. that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. respect that. And I think it's, again, it, like you kind of nailed it. Like, I think everybody's brain is just wired differently. Like, we're yeah. all, you know, slightly different and slightly sensitive to certain things and whatever. And it comes down to how we're raised and taste and, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I will say that I, if I do watch something through, which is very <laughs> rare, that I'll subject myself to something. But, like, for example, Deep Blue Sea. I watch that. I know that could not necessarily be considered a true horror, mm-hmm. but there are such scary moments. And, like, the horror element is, like, this giant shark yeah. that is, like, now yeah. intelligent. I was so scared. First of all, I am Australian. So mm-hmm. a real sh- giant shark could be, like, a very real concern <laughs> um, if you were out on the beach. Mm-hmm. But I remember getting to the end of that and just, yeah, feeling quite cathartic at the end. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But... Yeah, I don't know. Some of these horrors that like now, maybe not the elevator horror that we were discussing, but like some of them, I feel like just rely on gore and gruesomeness. Oh, yeah. And this movie, this movie didn't have that. There was certainly like yeah. a gruesome element to this kid's head wound, which you kind of see face on and you're just like, whoa, this is fucked. Um, but like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the slashes where it's just gallons of See, blood. I, I like it if it's actual like a slaughterhouse movie because you're going into that saying this is all they're doing. Yeah. Right? Or what is it? Grindhouse? Yeah, like a grindhouse yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. So you this, know what you, you're going for. You know what yeah. that is. But if it's like, oh, this is supposed to be a real scary movie and it's just gory just to be gory and it's mm-hmm. there's no really good story. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't like those movies because they don't do anything for like, me. I yeah, I like something like this where it's like tense, but again, like there's a beautiful story mm-hmm. to it. Like, because um, I, I think some of the movies now, like you know, it, it's hard to say because like you know, no shade to anyone that makes movies, but like if you're relying so much on the shock value of like someone's severed head or like yeah. you know something something, that's different. That's not storytelling that's exactly i'm gonna mm-hmm. scare the shit out of you by ma- ima- making you imagine something so terrible and yeah. disgusting yeah and and uh, like and the- and also i think it go it goes back to the brain situation right there's people that may be seeing that they won't even get scared so what's your point right. of making you know those horror movies yeah. you i i think you really need to tie it with with story with good story. you know um i think the the biggest example that i have of that in my head is the Haunting of Hill House. I don't know if you've seen it. Probably not. Is that Netflix? But yeah, it's a Netflix TV show. Uh, Mike Flanagan uh, directed all the episodes. And it's just beautiful filmmaking. There's, there's an episode that is a one-shot episode. Uh, wow. Like an actual one-shot. There's no tricks. Um, he cuts in between flashbacks because he plays with flashbacks. But still, it's like a four-scene episode. And anyway, the, this TV show really is a family drama. And there's just ghosts in it, <laughs> right? But I the the way they use horror is they actually plays the horror when the characters are suffering. So it's sort of like your heart is so invested with the characters that when like through the, empathy. Yeah, exactly. They use empathy to mm. to cause a horror, and there's actually only one jump scare. The the other horror is just yeah it's over there and yeah it can be tense I'm not gonna say yeah. that it's not tense right <laughs> but I I really think that is because you understand where the characters are at emotionally in that moment that you feel more for them that that's why you know you you feel that way and I think that is what I appreciate about horror is like can you use genre to actually tell a better story instead yeah. of just like you know 
I do want to watch that show. I mean, yeah. yeah I don't, and also, things. like, for me as, like, a creative person, too, I don't want to ever cut myself out fully from a genre. But I think watching this film and, like, talking more about film and, like, learning more about film, I'm starting to understand and appreciate the nuances in, in a genre. And, like, I think it's fine. It's, it's close-minded to say I don't like horror. It's more, you know, true to say I don't like gory horror. Like, I don't like, you know... The tense thing, yeah, uh, it might make me want to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> I might still have to Google yeah. like where the jump scares so, are, but like, well, how do, my, how do you guys feel about that? My mom did not get up in Hill House, so you may be okay. able oh, to. Oh, there you go. That's a, yeah, that's a good. Me and your mom test. are like the same yeah. wavelength. Yes. Did Lucy's mom watch this? Then, then Paris can watch <laughs> exactly. it. Um, exactly. So uh, yeah, you guys were talking about jump scares, and this kind of piqued my mind. There was one movie I saw in theaters where I actually jumped up and like did like a 180 because they got me so good. I think a good jump scare is hard to do mm-hmm. in movies because especially if you've seen movies in this genre, you're like, okay, here's a coming. He's behind the mm-hmm. door. You can this tell person's going to jump. Swelling. Yeah, music's yeah. doing yeah. this. And then there's a pause. But if people can do still do a good jump scare to people that have seen some of these movies and catch mm-hmm. people off guard, I think that's really hard to do. And I, I applaud that. David? It was... Um, it was one of the Michael Meyer, like, or no, oh, right. uh, no, sorry, who Leatherface? It was one of those uh, remakes, mm. yeah. And um, it was, it had Jessica Biel in it. She starred in it, and literally, I jumped up in theater. You know, there's like mm-hmm. 110 people in there, and everybody started laughing at me, but they mm-hmm. they got me because I was so. But invested. they loved. They probably loved it. That's why yeah. people go see horror films in groups mm-hmm. because they probably people were just so, yeah so yeah. interested in your reaction, yeah. and then it's like, ooh, <gasps> he's freaked out yeah. now. Yeah. If <laughs> if you go to the movies with people, it can yeah. be really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this movie actually only has one jump scare too. Thinking. Well, I googled it, but yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. It's, it, it's the. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a moment. Yeah. Yeah. He sees the yeah, ghost. Yeah. And I knew it was coming even without looking at the uh, <laughs> at the time because it has mm-hmm. the time codes on this website just in case oh. anyone else needs it. <laughs> um, but it it was like the music was really swelling and he was running and I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about the ghost representation in this because obviously mm-hmm. the episode before this one, we talk about Casper. Mm-hmm. So very different ghosts. Um very much like one is supposed to be like a kid's movie one is not um do you think this ghost representation was like a good representation of a ghost or like do you think it was effective you guys as the story i think so i i totally feel for this kid i totally understand what he wanted um and i i think that is another one of my issues with horror when there's just ghosts wanting to scare or wanting help which is fine if you want help like usually they want help um but i i don't think we always understand them and i Mm. think ghosts should be treated as a character too that you need to understand yeah exactly to your point too i loved how they built carlos's character up to that point where he was the one that was going to engage with uh santi and not Mm -hmm. run he was actually looking. and he's not yeah he's like i'm not gonna run what do you want what do you need and Mm -hmm. yeah uh, what you're saying lucy that they they kind of build up something it's not just oh they're scary they're in the background he had uh an agenda right Mm -hmm. and santi wanted to one warn that there's going to be other deaths here and specifically to uh jacinto because he's such a you know bad guy um (laughs) exactly (laughs) and then to warn yeah to warn everybody and then to kind of get some revenge like just bring him to me and i'll handle it he wanted to help he was just scary looking yeah his head was <laughs> bleeding head out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, he was just a kid that, w- that wanted to help. More than needing help, he wanted to help. And yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, he was looking out for his friends. Yeah. I mean, he was very good friends with the other main kid. And mm-hmm. it was, yeah. Um, I did want to share this quote from uh, Guillermo del Toro. So he said, when he was talking about his experience making this movie, he said, so a film about ghosts cleared all ghosts from my past. A film about loss gave me life again. A story of orphans gave me a filmmaking family. And I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah seeing the other side of it. I mean, mm. even the, the poetry of the dialogue, the, the way the mm. movie starts and it ends, right, of what is a ghost, that's not horror, you know? He's talking about ghosts being uh, a, tra- a tragedy that he's... M- what is it? Uh, I think he says it's a memory repeated it's, over it's and over again, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some poetry to that and some truth to that and, and some... Definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the women in the film. Yeah. So obviously there's sort of two main female characters. You've got like the caretaker type character and then you've got the young, impressionable, Helper. like sort of romantic mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Both of them display extreme strength throughout mm-hmm. the film. Yeah. Uh, Irene Vecetto, who plays Conchita, she ends up standing up to uh, Jacinto and saying like, because mm-hmm. he's like, he's basically like, say you're sorry and you can get in the car with us and he gets the knife out and she knows this guy's yeah like you're making me look bad in front of the other two thugs she stands up she rather than compromise herself she you know dies um and then you've got carmen played by marissa paredes paredes um sorry sorry marissa if i'm saying your name (laughs) wrong i I do i always i always say i have an accent so it's like a little bit i get away with it but um (laughs) she you know is incredibly strong too she's like gonna save the kids she doesn't want to leave them behind the doctor guy's like no let's get out of here and she's like we got to take the children with us it really bummed me out when she died spoiler alert she dies yeah. but everybody i really almost i know <laughs> almost everybody. It broke broke but the doctor's heart he was yeah. he was living for her basically he said i can't yeah. i don't know what i'd do if i lost you basically uh, yeah. but he was kind of he was kind of hard on the kids he's like all right we could take whatever kids we can a few of them yeah, <laughs> yeah like, also on, okay let's go into the doctor for a second he also had a room full of jaws of children with spina bifida, spina bifida and this yeah. whis- <laughs> whiskey in those jaws and then he's selling that whiskey and then he takes a shot of it himself yeah. And I, was yeah. like, I was like don't do I, it don't do it and he's like yeah he did it i yeah. knew he was gonna do it i, know. I knew yeah. he was gonna do it i wonder if <laughs> that's real many movies have done that and i'm like uh I feel like it's I, real now. <laughs> I think I think like back in the day, like before people medicine was yeah. where it's at, people, you know, I, I loved that it was called The Devil's Backbone. So basically the film title comes from these uh, children. It's like fetuses inside jars that have spina bifida. And so yeah. the, the spine is kind of on the outside. And of course, like all through history before we, even probably now, like it now too, like people thought that this could give you medical, you know, some kind of like, or a hard dick or it could heal yeah. medical problems well, you know what i mean you're a cure-all until science yeah. could actually explain it mm-hmm. right i mean in yeah. in district nine uh, district nine which we talked about uh you know those fake characters think that if they eat the aliens meat we'll turn mm-hmm. they'll become yeah, aliens get their like, power yeah you know so yeah the doctor was like a good character and he does come through for the kids even as mm-hmm. a ghost um at the end mm-hmm. but let's not overlook the fact that he was a strange character he was right, yeah he was he was willing to leave some of those kids <laughs> yeah. for sure. like man fuck for these sure. kids girl we got karma we gotta go grab the gold put it in your leg and your, oh, <laughs> and no. your fake calf muscle let's get out of here how is she gonna be able to walk with that it's yeah. so heavy yeah. um yeah. she even says at one point my leg is extra heavy today yeah, yeah. Like yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and i think to that point too you know we always talk about the diversity in films uh this film had none really uh, but again i think it's you know it's rural spain and it's not it's not one of those movies that we've talked about in the past david yeah. where it's like in a time period why didn't they, yeah, yeah why didn't they have any representation i don't know enough about the spanish civil war but i imagine that like you know it, it's there wasn't a lot of necessarily a lot of diversity. I mean, he definitely sees there's a guy from China and there's like mm-hmm. a few people that they touch on kind of showing, I think that people are kind of coming in yeah. mm-hmm. because it's like wartime. Yeah. I think it was more a war effort. Like these yeah. were but some of the allies. Very small, it's a very small town conflict. as well. Yeah. 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 The setting is so contained, right? So it's mm-hmm. just a, a small group of people. Um, and all of them are, are from Spain. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, do so have to say that when I watched this movie was, I mean, of course, because I was always watching uh, Hollywood, right? But it was the first time that it was like, oh, look, that's my skin color, you know? And to have a movie in, you know, your in native Spanish. tongue as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, honestly, I completely forgot that they were speaking Spanish through this movie. Nice. I think, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's how good the writing was. And also... I think as we are exposed to, I grew up in Hong Kong, so I was always watching, you know, Chinese movies too. Mm-hmm. But like, I think people are starting to conquer. I think it was the guy that, that won for Parasite. He said, you know, if you just get over this, like <sighs> if you can just climb over the one inch yeah. of, of the subtitles, it's going to open you up to so many things. Mm-hmm. And like, when you look at the popularity of Squid Games, which came out sort of recently, mm-hmm. like we're just, I think we're all a lot more open to 
watching films in different languages. So yeah, it, on it that only, note, I, hi- I yeah. highly encourage people to watch this. It only takes show. a few, <laughs> right, to, yeah. to expose mm-hmm. people. Something really popular and a great story, and it's like, oh, it's in subtitles. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. read. And then you yeah. watch, yeah. Ha- you, you're halfway into the first episode, and you're not realizing it because you're into the yeah. characters, and it's a good story. So yeah. It's very relatable. Human. Uh, I right. also love how refreshing it is because Hollywood is very, I mean, I love Hollywood movies, of course, but I also think they're very stuck to their structure. And mm-hmm. then you go and watch other films that, you know, they don't follow that. They mm-hmm. still have the essential elements there, but they don't have to follow it and, and, and it works. So yeah. it's You really take the, the money machine out of it. And yeah. like to your point, Liz, yeah, if we stick to this, we print money. If we go a little more independent this might be huge it might be might win some awards mm-hmm. but we don't know if this is going to be big in the box office but that's so where, that's that's where it's been interesting lately because you know you have your ted lassos that win like all the emmys mm-hmm. and so suddenly one day everyone's like oh we got to get the next ted lasso mm-hmm. you know like yeah. feel good kind of in england da, da, da. and then the following week it's like squid games explodes and then exactly. you're like everyone so yeah. i mean it's truthfully like people just don't know what's gonna hit yeah. i think People love good storytelling. And, th- and that's what we've talked yeah. about. You have what this a is. good story and some, you know, good characters and some development there. And it's it should pan out, right? Yeah. This was this yeah. was only a couple million dollars, I believe, that they made this for. And it was yeah. very ambitious. For what they did, incredible. You know, the music, everything. Mm-hmm. And on that note, it's getting close to the part of the podcast where we give someone a shout out from the crew. David, I'm going to let you go first. Say what? I'll let you go All first, right. kid. I'm going to go with my guy who is in visual effects, um, mm. Eduardo Diaz. And he mm. he's worked on a bunch of stuff in the visual effects department. And so I took him because he worked on some of the CGI for mm-hmm. this movie, which, like I said, it was very subtle but amazing. This is why I think it held up. So I just kudos to him. It nice was – it, it was it was nicely threaded throughout this and it wasn't just over the top or silly mm-hmm. or anything like that it was like damn you're feeling for this this little boy santi yeah. and it definitely oh, yeah. worked yeah so all right well yeah we see you and uh, we appreciate you yeah we <laughs> see you and we appreciate mm-hmm. you i'm gonna go with paula cruz who was in the makeup department because i thought the makeup in this was great obviously mm-hmm. I really noticed it with the ghost and I noticed it with the doctor when he comes out of like the rubble. He was like very, you know, looked like he'd really been injured. Everyone did a great job in the Mm -hmm. makeup department. Paula has also worked on a bunch of different things. The head. So my grandma's a lesbian. The silence of the marsh. Giants. She's worked on a ton of stuff. Uh, So I just wanted to give her a shout out because I think, you know, we talked to our hair friend the other day, Mm -hmm. Lainey, and, you know, hair and makeup don't always get shout outs and they're such a huge part of the film. So Paula Cruz, we see you and we appreciate you. you. Yeah. I also and love to hear these names, you know, that uh, you would expect them to just do the the movie and then grab Hollywood crew and they didn't, you know, it's all No. It, it it's it's local talented or Mexican talented that he could have yeah. um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah lucy did you have someone you wanted to shout out yeah because he's mexican um and he's awesome guillermo navarro uh he's a director of photography of the movie Mm. he is wonderful he won an oscar uh for Mm. pants labyrinth so they continue the collaboration both guillermo's um but and and he won guillermo times two yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) he won in 2007 and he actually, before Devil's Backbone, he worked on Jackie Brown. He did uh, Jackie oh, Brown. Oh, wow. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good And, stuff. I mean, he's done also sort of like uh, blockbusters. He did the two last Twilight movies. Um, so he's done that too. Pacific Rim, Twilight. Yeah. He did a Kanye. Yeah, he did Kanye, or sorry, Kanye West video. Yeah, um, Kanye. Yeah, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Kim Kardashian's ex? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I heard of him. Yeah. 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 David William Rogers, Lucy Luna. Mm-hmm. Do you think this movie has aged like milk? David, you go first. Okay. I'm going to say this movie has aged like the rum mixture for the little spina bifida bodies. So it holds oh. up. You're kind of like, oh, should I drink this because of the 
the picture on the front, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little ghost boy, a, a little homie Santi, and you're like, I don't know if I should drink homie. this, this spina bifida bath water, but I'm going to take a little sip of it, and it goes down smooth, and it makes you feel good. Right. It probably helps your your vision. I think my hair your my hair grew in a little bit. Nice. So nice. it's it's a really good movie. Um, Lucy, thank you for picking this. But yeah, I, I think it aged pretty well and I think it yeah. will continue to do so because it's a great story, great mm -hmm. acting, great director. Great like acting. Everybody that works on this, yeah. Considering it's a lot of kids, they all did a great yeah. job. And the Al, CGI. The little kid that played yeah, Al, yeah. so cute. And yeah. normally mm -hmm. the CGI is something from 2001 that would age, but it did not. Mm -hmm. And I don't see it mm -hmm. aging the way they did it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's my story, nice. and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, at least I, I love it. I was going to say the exact same <laughs> thing about a drink. <laughs> also because I think it's something that... Uh, you know, it's sort of a drink that you're like, oh, I didn't know this existed, you know, yeah. but then you go and try it and you and you find it. Yeah, I, I think this is a film that will continue to even be taught in schools, probably uh, mm -hmm. if it's not in genre, because I think it's it's uh, a wonderful example of good horror. It, mm -hmm. it will be because of Guillermo, you know, people that mm -hmm. study him. Uh, this movie is one of his first. And yeah, I, I think it will continue to age well. Good. Yeah, I think it aged like the sweet, sweet water that they had to steal from the kitchen <laughs> when they saw Santi for the first time. Oh, nice. It's so, it's so good. It's so forbidden, though. You know, you think you shouldn't go there because it's got a scary ghost on the cover, but then you get it and it's all good. You go back to the homies. They try to shoot it out of your hand, drink it, feel refreshed. <laughs> I think it's great. Like, yeah, I mm -hmm. literally, you know, when Lucy and I were texting, I was like, you know, the, come on the podcast and like you can pick the movie. And that's how we kind of do it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes David and I suggest the film, but a lot of times, we, you know, it's very much guest driven. And you sent me two options and I looked them up and I was like, or not a horror. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then David was like, no, no, it's no, October, come on, like, yeah. let's do it. It's, it's the holiday times. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. So I'm really glad. I'm grateful. And it, it does make me want to go back and like watch a bunch of Guillermo's stuff mm -hmm. and just all the people involved with this. You know, of course, we've got to shout out all the little kids who are obviously yeah. grown ups now, but like Junior Valverde, he played Santi. I thought he did an amazing mm -hmm. job. You know, you had Daniel Esperanza as Marcos. You had Jose Manuel Lorenzo as Marcello. Mm -hmm. Just people just did such a good job. And the fact that these were kids I and know. like, the performances were great. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you know, they always say they always say in Hollywood, don't work with children or animals. And this they was were all solid children. with the, yeah. mm -hmm. their lines, the delivery, mm -hmm. little homie yes. owl, you know, owl was yeah, cute. yeah, they're all they're they're all good. You forget yeah. their actors, you know, well, they're mm -hmm. dirty and yeah. yeah, and they speak. I always thought like this, like with little kids that go through some sort of trauma, right, and some mm -hmm. hardships, they talk more like adults. This yeah. will make you feel old. Junior Valverde, who played our main guy Santi, the ghost, he was born in 1990, so he's Ooh, like, like me, 31 yeah. now. <laughs> wow, so we're the we're same age. Like I <laughs> cannot go. believe that. We're talking about him like he's a little kid, but like he a grown man. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he, he out here wow. haunting people in six foot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So, oh. but yeah, I agree with you, David. They're great performances. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. shout out to just the cast. Yeah. They were great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If people want to connect with you, um, obviously they can see your writing in All Rise if they want to tune into that. How can people find you? And, you know, is there anything that they should be keeping their eyes peeled for you? I mean, I have Twitter. That is mm -hmm. at Lucy Luna, and then I have uh, Instagram. I don't use it a lot, but I have it. That is at Lucy dot Luna, and yeah, I have I have a few things in development. So hopefully they make it to series, because you know that projects may die along the way, and I don't totally. want to jinx it. But definitely, if <laughs> if they make it to series, I'll be using social media to to yeah. talk to people, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and any any sort of like top advice to anybody who wants to get into writing that's not sure or someone maybe from a different country that's like, I want to chase my dream, but it seems really hard. Oh. How, what would you say to them? I mean, if, if you're from a different country, just know that you're going to have to go through the visa situation. And if anybody wants to do that and is listening to me, I'm happy to contact me and I'll 
you know, share my lawyer's information because she's amazing and she approved my renewal in one day, um, oh, which wow. is, yeah, it's insane. Um, but I honestly don't, uh, I don't know, I think the only advice is go do it. You know, I think if you have something, something to say, we should not get caught up in like, am I good? Am I not good? We're all learning. You'll get there. If you want to do yeah. it, do it. Um, just be humble, learn the craft and, and do it. <laughs> And do it. And do it. There you yeah. have it. Yeah. There you have it. Well, thank you for coming on our yeah, podcast, my you, love. Lucy. Thank you. Pleasure. I'm so glad Pleasure you liked the you. movie. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, I did. I was texting with her and I was like, I wouldn't have chosen it, but I would recommend it. Yeah. And I think that's the way you look at it. But awesome. Da- David, yes. you should check your fridge. And make sure that milk is not spoiled. Because gross milk is gross. And this movie is not gross. So thank you so much for coming and listening. And I hope you watch it. And I hope you feel spooky. And I hope you stay safe and don't run out of the room like I (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's all for now. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.